With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. This episode is sponsored by schwanns.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh my goodness. Hello, welcome to another episode of Chesi Hour. My name is Ife, Mr. Meads. I'm your host for the evening. And I have got two guests. It's going to be quite um, an intimate one. Um, I've got Joe, Joe Tweeds. How you doing, man? Yeah, good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. I can't complain. I can't complain. Other than, you know, Love Island's on and I'm not being able to watch it because I'm, <laughs> I'm talking to you guys. I will complain too much. Um, but I've got Starboy, Palumi. What are you saying? Yeah, I'm good, man. Right, so 
hopefully you man are not too distracted from this Love Island stuff and we can kind of talk about um, what's happened this last week. Um, Chelsea had a, a seemingly good performance against Burnley. Um, quite a comfortable one. Um, or, well, comfortable-ish. Um, good performance. Callum finally gets his first um, Prem goal. And um, it seems that, you know, that conversation about him getting a run of games has coincided um, with, you know, Pulisic's unfortunate injury and he scored um, back-to-back goals in a week. So I, I kind of want to run down on the game, pals, because um, I think you and um, a few other people have quite different views of how the game went. Because a lot of people saying, yeah, that's brilliant, the best home game we've played, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I'm not really too sure if it... Maybe it was. Maybe I'm being harsh. But, yeah, I kind of want your analysis of the game, first and foremost. Um, for me, I think it's like it's easy, kind of, I guess, for people to to consider that to be one of our best home games when we've been quite poor at home. Um, so the bar is obviously quite low. In terms of um, the performance and the result, I think overall it was a good performance. But like in terms of when you look at it in stages of, like, I guess, the first third, second third, and then the last one, um, it wasn't it wasn't totally horrible. Um, but at the same time, I think the plaudits maybe came a bit a bit too quickly um, and the, the reason why I say that is because when I look at how we kind of struggled to to break Burnley down early on um, I was worried that the game was going to follow the same pattern um, as you know the Southamptons the West Ham's the, the um, and what kind of gave us a lifeline was the penalty but even up until probably the second half um, first five minutes five ten minutes in the second half I feel like we didn't create um, chances or carve them open really well enough. Um, and I know the obviously we scored the Tammy goal, but generally speaking, I don't think we were that threatening. In the first half? Yeah, in the first yeah, half in particular. Um, so it's kind of, I guess, after that, the, then the, the nature of the game has changed, though, because you've got two goals. And I, I suspect Sean Dash is saying, you know, let's go and have a go in the second half. And then as the, the game starts to open up, we then are able to play the football that we saw us play against Norwich, um, against Wolves in spells. Um, so it's, it kind of makes sense that we were able to to, to raise the level because the, the way that they approached the game in the second half played right into our hands. Um, but it's more when teams kind of defend in a similar way to um, the way Arsenal did um, early on in that game in terms of com- compact and organised in the same way that the kind of the other teams have come and dropped into a, a much lower block than Arsenal did. Um, we struggle. So um, I'm not sure that those issues have necessarily been solved and all that Burnley is is an indicator of that because I still feel like those same issues were prominent. Um, but in scoring a goal through the penalty, we were able to kind of get around it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have been saying, um, oh yeah, have we finally found a way to break teams down? Um, we finally found it. We finally found it. Um, um, I don't know. After the first half, I weren't too sure. I, I wasn't too sure. I still felt a little bit apprehensive about the result. Um, not necessarily the result, because I felt like defensively we looked quite assured. Um, Chris Jensen had probably one of the best games I've seen him have this season. Um, he looked quite solid, and um, Chris Wood um, wasn't getting a run of him, or just wasn't giving him the run around or bullying him at all. 
Um, I do think that what helped was that he got punt, he got banged in the face by the ball, and that's rattled him the whole day, the whole game. Um, just looking at the game, I watched it again. I, I just kind of thought, oh, you know what? Maybe that kind of fried him. Um, but first half, the lack of chance creation was a worry for me. Um, so I still need to see us tested in that environment to kind of have comfort, I guess, or trust in this, I'm saying, quote-unquote, new approach to breaking low-block teams down. Um, I'm still not convinced, but, again, it just needs to be... It needs to be... I guess it needs to have a sterner test for me to um, get on board. Um, one thing I can say, though, um, comfortably, is that having a, a good fullback that can cross the ball is an unbelievable weapon. And, Joe, I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on um, this young man because he has just signed a new five-year deal um, until 2025. Um fully deserved in my opinion because he is a top class talent and um i think many of us or i, I probably wasn't one of them was saying that he is um, probably our arguably our best talent and most ready for the premier league talent there is uh, in our in in our um, out of our like roster of fantastic young players so i kind of want to get your thoughts on him his performance and i guess what we're going to what we should expect or hope to expect in the next 5 years yeah, I think uh, I don't know if this was this was kind of like an arrival game for for Reece, particularly sort of in the Premier League because he's had some pretty good cameos. But I think as, as kind of like a complete performance, this was sort of the the one that kind of really made you sort of kind of stand up and, and, and pay attention. Really. I think with with him, you know, you're looking at sort of the the way kind of football is going now, and, and you know, fullbacks are, are arguably some of the most complete players now in terms of the, the skills that they have to have. You know. Um, You've got to be sort of almost entirely comfortable playing central, whereas we see, you know, likes of uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and and other players being able to sort of underlap and, and play in those sort of central midfield areas with a lot more comfort than, than maybe what we've seen guys like Aspilicueta and others traditionally, but also, you know, that that ability to to, to be a, a kind of an auxiliary winger in the final third. But I think that the thing that really separates him is just his his ability as a defender, as a, as a teenager, you know, we, we need to kind of remember that he is a 19 year old kid still, you know, he's, he's so kind of far advanced in terms of, of, of positioning and, and the kind of mental side of the game defensively that you, you kind of forget that you're watching someone who's, who's really sort of making their first steps in, in, in this kind of level of football. Um, you know, we've all seen just the, the insane kind of delivery that he has. It's, it's it's one of these kind of rare skills I think only a few kind of players have this ability to kind of whip the ball in from from all kind of sort of weird angles, weird foot positions, and, yeah. and stuff like that. And you know, it's it's the kind of the the sort of weird consistency that he has with it. I mean, it kind of doesn't really matter where he's receiving the ball if he's almost in kind of inside forward positions in in, in terms of receiving the ball. He he does this sort of little flick with the ball and he puts yeah. a perfect kind of way to cross. And it reminds me and. I, I, Maybe this is a little bit sort of hyperbolic, but that, that kind of ability that, that Beckham had to sort of just whip the ball in from anywhere on the right hand side. Um, well, you know, you know, it doesn't matter if he's on the byline or if he's a lot deeper. That that ability to kind of get the ball in over a centre back and drop it on someone's head is insane. And I, I think you're right. You know, in terms of the sort of dimension that, that that's added to our game, both in terms of the combination play with with Callum, but you know, sort of the, the underlapping aspects and the ability ability to overlap. You know you can't really predict where he's going to go and what yeah. he's going to do. And, and, and you know, for, for such a long period of time, we've never really had 
uh, a real kind of threatening presence in terms of uh, a fullback on the right-hand side. I mean, I, I can't think of maybe going back to Ivanovic, to Ivanovic in yeah. his absolute peak when he would bomb bomb down the right-hand side. But Reese is, you know, the dynamic that he gives you. And it, it's starting to, I think, actually affect how teams defend, particularly yeah. that, that right-hand side. You know, you've got to... A, you've got to respect the ability that he has to go outside and put across him, but also when he when he underlaps as well. I think that is that's come where the, the kind of space is going to come you know because it's, it's just amazing. Yeah. Do you know what? I, do you know the technique where he, he does flick it? Uh, it's um. It's like you know, punches the ball. Yeah, it's like when Drobby used to take those weird side foot free kicks, but it's like you know, like, when, I, I, it's weird. Yeah. You know when you're at the park, yeah, back in the day, you're at the park, and the ball comes to you first time, you just do a little flick. You use the momentum of the ball to flick it. Yeah. But how he does it, he does it from a a, a, a dead ball. It's weird. Yeah. I, the amount of power he gets into it as well is it, crazy. He Physically, I always look at him and I think, this boy is beyond his years. I mean, he he looks like he, he's about a 24, 25-year-old man. Yeah. And like he's sturdy. I, I mean, he dealt with McNeil. I mean, McNeil's a very tricky customer as well. I, I like yeah. him. I, I, I like him a lot, actually, because technically he's nice. He's relatively quick. He could dribble past people. I mean, there were times where he dribbled past, um, bypassed Barkley and um, Jorginho, and then Reese James will step into midfield, which was just beautiful. That was beautiful yeah. for me. Where his ability and his his comfort, the degree of comfort in which he can just glide into midfield and just be there, presence as well. Um, brilliant for me. Um, and again, you touched on it. The link up with Callum Hudson Odoi, they've both spoken about the pleasure of playing with with, um, with one another. Um, that could be a potent that could potentially be a very good very good weapon for us. Um, I know William, I guess like up and down. I think his performances have been <clears throat> largely consistent this season. Um, he's been pretty decent for us and arguably our yeah. best attacker um, or best um, creative player um, or supplementary attacker. Um, so I kind of, you kind of leave William to it, I guess, because I I, I don't really see anyone else there that playing yeah. as well as him. I agree. Um, but the 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 combination between Reese and Callum um, is brilliant. Like again, the underlapping, the overlapping from both of them. Um, you know, Callum's able to cut inside and do damage. Um, like like for his goal, the late run into the box as well. And a nice little tap in. I think. The movement between those two, class. A lot of times, Reese is popping up into the midfield, and Callum upsets him for a shot. It was just, it was good and it was nice and fluid. And but that all came in the second half. In the first half, Reese was getting balls into the box um, with quality again, but because their bodies weren't in there, um, I feel I felt it was quite it was a bit of a struggle. Um, yeah, I feel it's... like if we're gonna adopt that approach, we need to get quality runs and a, a significant presence in the box um, for that to work. And you know, it's a work in progress, I guess. I don't think, um, I touched on it before, I don't think that the players are necessarily used to the quality that Reese, the quality of delivery that Reese is actually putting in because some of the crosses are literally sensational and unstoppable. And um, Pat Nevin did a fantastic analysis. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say it. He did a fantastic analysis um, on the Chelsea app. Um, about Reese James's crossing ability and where where he he loves crossing the ball, um, <clears throat> it, right in between the, the the defender, the first defender, and um, the goalkeeper. And those crosses, when he gets into that space, very 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 dangerous. Um, so yeah, it's um it's good, and I I do think you know I I really don't 
a lot of people talk about, you know, Callum Hudson-Odoi and his, um, his salary and how much he gets paid a week, 120, 180, blah, blah, blah. Again, really, I'm always, um, I'm a protector of talent, so I don't necessarily care how much these players are getting paid. As long as, I, if you feel like they're talented and in the long run they'll be worth it, I really don't care. I don't care how much Reece James is on. All I know that he's a player of Chelsea, been with us since he was a child, and now he's playing on the big stage and performing as well. And he's a high quality player. And you know, I mean, I just, I'm just, I'm glad. I'm glad he signed, and I'm, I'm glad he's playing as well. I, I just can only imagine what it would be like if we still had Sorry. You know, the, just the, <laughs> just the, you know, the fortunes of yeah, yeah. some of these players. Their, their careers could literally just be altered by the decision of the club. You know, and. As much as people do want to complain, oh, um, Hudson's probably the reason why Sari's not here, whatever, fine. I, I really don't actually care. I'd much rather place faith and loyalty on players that have been fans, that players that have been with us since they were kids, than a man who is 63, 64, who doesn't really care about the club, doesn't really care about Chelsea like that. I'd much, I'd much rather put faith and um, trust in young players and hopefully the gamble pays off in the long term rather than trying to gamble on a 65 year old man it's it's not happening for me yeah I think the the crazy thing is from this game it's I didn't really see people talking about it but we had five academy graduates start outfield players start a Premier League game now if you'd have said to me last season that we'd have had like you know one or two playing in like a meaningful proper meaningful game you know against a proper team I would have kind of laughed I mean I'm you know, one of the more vocal people who have, have, have backed these academy guys playing for a, a very, very long time. But, you know, the, the fact that this season you've got, you know, Christensen, you've got Mount, you've got James, Tammy, Callum, all starting a game, all playing really well. It seems to be kind of like par for the course now. And that that's how it should be. That's how it should have been for, for a number of years. I think this is the first season where, you know, all right, I think that there's, in some cases, you could say that there's a little bit of favouritism towards some of the academy players, but yeah. there there feels to be a bit more of a meritocratic approach to who's getting minutes and who's playing. I think now that Reese, you know, as long as he sort of avoids some of these little kind of uh, knocks and stuff he's been picking up, I, th- I think that right back's what's his, you know, I think that's his for the rest of the season. I think they've eased him in well. You know, they've kind of sort of adjusted him nicely after his injury into sort of Premier League football. And you know, hopefully, as as we look towards the end of the season, he's going to kick on and, and continue to, to develop. Because I think if you're if you're building a modern fullback, you know, from scratch, it looks like Reese James. Yeah. It's got his size, what's he, like 85 kgs. I mean, he's an absolute unit yeah. up and down the pitch. Amazing technique, amazing physicality. He's the ideal Premier League right back. And hopefully, as you say, he's like 19, 20 now. Yeah. You know, he's, he's got so much of his career ahead of him and, You've just got to hope that he's going to continue to kick on and become more of a uh, a prominent and established player here yeah. because I, I think he he could be one of those players that is uh, is up there with the JTs and people like that at the club eventually just just by how a how good he is but also the kind of person he is as well. He's you know his interviews and stuff like that. He's such a kind of down to earth person. He seems so focused on doing well and he's he's got the exact mentality that you want of young players coming through at the club. He should be one you know someone that a lot of these young guys now are looking up to as, as the guy that you know they should be modelling their kind of game on professionally. That's it. And um, like you said, when when he um, did his interview, um, you know, about signing a new deal, he just, he's not what, he doesn't strike me as a man that talks or, or, or a boy, I'm uh. a man, but you know, he doesn't strike me as a person or a young man that is like, he has many words. For me, he's a very calm, maybe even reserved kind of man, but just by the way of performance, and I guess I think the way he trains, 
the way he plays. He will lead by example. And um, through the Youth Academy, um, throughout Youth Academy for England, for Chelsea, he's been cap- the captain. Um, yeah. I think that that could potentially be the natural um, progression for him. Um, I see him having... Ness- I, don't, I wouldn't say the shouting type, you know? I wouldn't say he's like the John Terry shouting type, but I do think he has got the potential to be our future captain. And I think that's yeah, definitely one, that's definitely something to watch because I think a couple of podcasts ago we were asking the question who should be our captain uh, once Aspi and Jorginho go etc. And I think that James is definitely one of those candidates um, uh, f- for sure for sure. Um, so speaking of contract, um, just I, I, by the way, sorry, I yeah. just wanted to like to um, add something because um, Joe's obviously spoken about the fact that we we've, we've had um, five academy players start, and I think I give managers generally a lot of flack um, when I can't see what it is they're trying to do mm. on the pitch um, but one thing I've, I think is really important to give Lambert credit for is that um, meritocratic approach um, that he has had from Chet Black in terms of his attitude towards players and training and the consistency that he's shown in that regard um, in terms of like even the way like Tamori came into the side yeah. it was like oh I think we played two or three games already and it was like well he's been training well so he's just going to start um, yeah, and I think the the thing that's fantastic about that to me is that there there is a clear shift in the culture. Yeah, um, and I think it's really important to to have a plan of some sort. And if you have that, um, ideally you want it both on the pitch um, and off it. But to have it off the pitch and for it to have created such a, a positive environment, um, I think that's like a, it's a massive plus. And I, and I think it's probably understated a bit in terms of oh we've had the transfer ban, so it's this kind of, you know, he, he had no choice. Um, but truthfully, he, did, he does have a choice. Um, I don't yeah, know. exactly, yeah. He does. He could be playing Chivrud and all Pedro and all this. Yeah. Like, you know? yeah. So, um, so it's, it's, it's encouraging to see at least. What what makes me sick about that angle, yeah, is where people say, oh, oh Frankie, he had to play the academy players. No, he did not. No, he did not. We have, we fully had the capability of playing um, drink water. Yeah? Yeah. Bakayoko, Alonso, I mean, getting all the guys back in from there, you know? Exactly, Bakayoko, Alonso. We could could have said, you know what, uh, Morata? Nah, you're going to stay and play. Like what Sari did for half the season last year. He could have been, um, we could have recalled a lot of our players that are on loan that are in the doldrums, like the Baba Ramans, that are not young players. You know what I mean? So the idea that, oh, he had to do so, or had to use these young players is false. Because... Managers before him, no, they wouldn't have done that. I, I don't trust Sari. I definitely wouldn't have trusted Sari to A, play Reese James, B, play Mason Mount, C, give Tammy Abraham a chance, even look at Tomori. So it's just, it's, it's a, I think it's a rubbish angle. Just because they're playing now and they're not sinking doesn't mean that it's, it was an easy choice to make. It really wasn't. Yeah. And especially in an environment where the pressure is on, as you are Chelsea manager, and as many of us have seen in the past, the pressure is always on when it's Chelsea. It's always on. So it's just a weird angle. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that at all, to be honest. It's because it's, it's, it's disingenuous to actually what yeah. is the case at our club. It's just a bit strange. But um, speaking of contract situations, um, obviously, Tammy Abraham still hasn't re-signed. Um, are, are any of you guys worried um, about this? Um, um, not really, no. I'd say, I mean, I, I think from from his perspective now, I mean, 
the more the more I thought about this and, and people talking about signing centre forwards, etc. I mean, I, I think Tammy is is probably on course to be, I think, maybe the third centre forward under Abramovich that, that can hit 20 league goals. And mm-hmm. again, the fact that he's doing that without penalties. I think that that is a really really big thing, and I wouldn't necessarily be looking at you know if, if we're going to be spending big money on two three players in the summer, I'm not looking at centre forward. I think Tammy's more than capable of of being a 20 goal season striker for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his camp are looking at the the sort of benchmark for deals that are being done for for younger players now, yeah. um, and just sort of seeing you know like kind of biding their time. I mean, if they get to the summer and he's he's bad 20 25 Premier League goals, he's got he's um, got leeway. He's got uh, he's got a lot more clout to say you know what. Come exactly, on. yeah. You know, you know what I mean? um, and again, I think the the way that he's going about you know, kind of showing that he should be on more money is just by scoring goals and playing well. You know, it's it's not you don't see all this stuff in the in the media and the press and stuff like that. I think he's going about it in the right way. So if, if I'm him, I'm I'm waiting until the summer. I'm showing my twenty goal season, you know, to 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 Marina and, and whoever is going to be looking at those those figures and saying, look, you know, I'm 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 the guy that's going to be the, the number nine here for the next five, six seasons. Yeah. Pay me accordingly. You know, I mean again he's he's not cost us a single penny to develop. Exactly. You know, he's another one come here for nothing. And he's looking at players like Maratta and, and other guys who have been here previously who are 10% as, as effective as he has been earning, you know, sort of 20 times what he probably is. But, so, yeah, you know, it, it's got to be meritocratic. If you're is number nine, if you're a 20 league, uh, you know, 20 goal a season guy, that, that puts you with the droppers and the costers in terms of guys that have been here under a Roman. And, and that's a pretty, pretty elite club when it comes to Chelsea centre forward. So pay him like that. Yeah. I mean, like, look, if you, if you look at Tammy's season and assess it properly, He's currently one in two again without like zero penalties, and we I think we've been awarded seven penalties um, across all competitions. Jorginho scored six of them. Well, yeah, yeah, I think he'd, he'd be on twenty goals. I he'd, think if he'd, he'd, if he'd take he'd, all penalties, he'd, yeah. exactly. He'd already be on twenty goals this season, um, and that puts him up there with one of the highest scoring players in in, in Europe. Um, it's quite weird though when we mention penalties as well. It's quite strange because I don't think any of our strikers or big hitting strikers because Costa's hit 20 twice I think um Drogba yeah. hit 20 plus twice but I don't think they ever took penalties I think Drogba took only one penalty in the league I believe um Costa I think Costa again he only took one isn't it a bit weird would you would you I guess would you take away penalty I know George because for me Georgino guarantees a goal yeah, with a pen because it his penalty style is incredible. But would you rather give those pens to Tammy to bump up his numbers? Because I look at players like Marcus Rashford, Harry Kane, Aguero, even Salah. They take penalties to just you know keep them ticking over. You know, strikers got to eat sometimes. But I think in games where you know or periods where he hasn't scored for a little while, I'd kind of give him a penalty. I'd chuck him a cheeky penalty here and there. So long as we're two 0 three 0 up, because if it's a nil nil and I give it to him and he, he misses, I, I think I'll kill his confidence. He doesn't, he doesn't strike me as a. Oh, actually, you know he is quite mentally resilient. But would you would you take away penalties from Jorginho and give it to to Tammy? Probably not for me. And uh, the reason I say, it, I mean, you look at when when Didier was here. I think Frank Lampard was was a great pressure penalty taker. Yeah. Um, Hazard as well. You know, a really really great penalty taker. Yeah. For me, it's it's about the goal. Um, and I think also Tammy would would probably say that himself that it's it's more about the the, the kind of results. Yeah. Um, 
I, you know, it, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, in, in discussions about goals and stuff like that, and then people will 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 include them or remove them depending on what sort of argument they're trying to make about the player. But yeah. I, I think, you know, 13, what's he got, 13 league goals from yeah. open play halfway through the season is 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 a, a ridiculous achievement. And, you know, if he's on penalties, then obviously that's got, that's going to pad him out for the rest of his career. But yeah. I think, you know, the, the most important thing is, is you've got Jorginho who... Um, I've with like a ninety five percent certainty he's going to score pretty much every pen he's on. So yeah. I'd rather take the guaranteed goal than than give it to Tammy. And, and as you say, if he, if he misses a pen, I don't think it would mentally really kind of do much to him. But yeah. you never really know. You know, I'd, I'd rather him sort of focus on the rest of his game than than have the the additional pressure of not just leading the line but also being the, the penalty taker. Oh, particularly yeah. with someone like Jorginho who's uh, who's on the pitch as well. We saw it with Barkley. You know, yeah. when he he stole the pen from uh, William. <laughs> Yeah, and sort of yeah. like he completely nosedived after yeah. that so I don't want a similar situation oh, speaking, that's a nice little segue onto Barkley um, because I watched the game back again and for me I can't lie to you Barkley was very impressive I don't want to yeah. say I don't want to say it too loudly um, because you know on this podcast when we when we praise Ross you know what tends to happen you know what tends to follow um, 10 games of shit 10 games of absolute <laughs> nonsense so I'm saying it quite um, quietly, but I think that performance was very, very good. Um, arguably our best player after Reese James, um, and I'd say Callum. Um, but first half, he was, he was the one that was trying to make things happen in the midfield. It wasn't quite working. It wasn't quite happening. But his ability to take the ball on a half turn and drive um, and try and locate space, I, I, I quite... I, it reminded me of the Barkley of old, Barkley pre sorry, um, Barkley of Everton when he was like nineteen twenty coming through. Um, very much, um, but also it came with an element of um, you know end product. So the final pass, um, the pass was hitting people, was hitting um, who he needed to hit, spreading it out wide. Um, so the performance was very very complete for me. For me personally, he was also. Working hard, so he wasn't just leaving Georgino to struggle. I mean, there was a couple of instances where Burnley did break away and um, Barkley would get a nick in there and get the ball back. Um, I appreciated that performance. It was very, very good. Um, certainly of the two um, eights, I guess, that played, um, he, he definitely looked the more impressive impressive player. Um, so again, maybe it's just casting back to, to last week where we spoke about... Um, I guess fringe players being out in the cold. Um, I think the the midweek game against Nottingham Forest, um, well, it wasn't midweek. I mean, the sat- last the game last Saturday um, against Forest, I probably have done him the world of good. Um, I got him some freshness back in his legs after a long time out, um, and yeah, he followed it up with a great performance. I mean, I'm not sure if I'd um, play him the next game, but rather than rushing in Golo back. Because I know it's his hamstring, and you don't want to play. For me, I don't want to be um, taking risks with hammies. That that's one thing I don't want to do, especially with a world class player in Angolo Kante. But I think Ross Barkley did himself um, some favors because there was a lot of talk about him leaving this window or leaving in in um, the summer. But I think he done quite well. Um, what did you think of Barkley's performance, um, Pels? I, 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 him. Well, what did you think of the midfield performance um, first and foremost, and especially Barkley? So it's weird because in the in the when I think about the first half in particular, um, I don't really feel like we got much mm-hmm. from anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of difficult to to pinpoint or highlight his performance in particular um, in the first half. But in the second half, as the game opened up, I feel like we 
created more. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, if I'm being truthful, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I, it's hard. I'm trying to be objective because um, Ross Barkley has disappointed me quite a bit. <laughs> Um, you, said like like a, a, you said that like a, a pain like a, in your voice. I'm saying, you <laughs> no, said that like a disappointed dad. You said like a disappointed no. dad, bro. <laughs> he, won the, um, he won the Victor Moses trophy in preseason <laughs> not too long ago. And um, I was talking him up from one of the pods and oh, he disgraced me, so I'm, oh. I'm a bit hesitant. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, no, do you know what it is? I think his, what his profile um, is something that I think is quite unique or as maybe not to the same extent of Ruben. I hear you. I definitely is like he's got literally all the tools and I hate that term because I, you always feel like you're just waiting on on someone to put it together and at 25, 26 you'd expect him to have it together. Yeah. Um but on a good day, Ross Barkley can be a very good player. Okay. Um so that's that's kind of where I stand with him. In terms of the actual performance, I wasn't particularly enamoured by it. Yep. And that might just be because um I guess of the hat that I was watching the game in, um, <laughs> but he is—he's got—he's got a lot of ability. I, I saw—I um, think I was on Sky Sports today and saw a link with him potentially going on loan um, mm. until the end of the year. Um, I think that would be a counterproductive uh, decision, to be honest. I, I think that. Simon was a counterproductive decision, to be honest. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 no, no, no. Listen, we are on the same page about <laughs> that, bro. You know we're on the same page about me. Look. I thought, for me personally, probably one of the worst signings we've done, simply because I knew the, the quality of players that we had behind them. So the Mason Mounts, even the, um, the Ruben lost his cheeks. I'm thinking you don't really need a Ross Barkley, but given injuries, opportunities, I guess it's kind of worked out to a degree. I'm not saying that he's been a success, but in an instance where Ruben's been injured, who else are we going to play in that midfield that is, I guess, brings the same level of dynamism um, Again, the ability to um, receive the ball in a half turn and then drive. You're not looking at many people that we've got in our squad that can do that. So, yeah, I, I see what you mean. In terms of profile of player, you can see the similarities in the fact that he's got the tools to be a good player. But, again, he's so inconsistent, it kills you. Like, you just... you. That's why you struggle to say a good thing about him because you're thinking, ugh, yeah. This episode is sponsored by Schwans.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. This is great, but this is you, one every 20. So it's just like, ugh. I know it's hard. It's hard. But at the same time, has Ross Barkley been given a fair crack and a fair run for you to, you know, allow him to find the consistency? Because we spoke about this with no, Real, so, Real yeah, Strikers. I think, so. uh, in, in that sense, certainly not. Um, and I don't think he, I don't think the move has worked out in a way that maybe we wanted it to. But at the same time, I feel like it wasn't as well thought out it wasn't a very well thought out signing in terms of it, it. The opportunity kind of arose, and it was like, okay, Who? we can explore it because financially it makes sense. Who signed and, it? Um, Conte was on the Conte. It was Conte, it? That bastard. That you assigned the most. Oh my god, he signed the worst players <laughs> in our history, bro. Like, just go through them. You can go Zappa Costa, okay. 
Caballero. Um, you can then go to Alonso. Well, Alonso, he, he's done his thing, but he's still shit. So Alonso, Morata, Bakayoko, um, obviously Ross Barkley, Daniel, drink water. That's a lot of money as well. <laughs> Bro, that's about three, four hundred million. Yeah. Danny Drinkwater, he still plays for our club. Look, big, Danny Drinkwater, Dan. <laughs> I read on I read an article today. Danny Drinkwater has cost Chelsea fifty million pounds. In wages and his fee, fifty million pounds. He's been here three years. I'm just like, oh the worst signing ever. The worst signing ever. Because when he's played, he's been terrible. When he's not played, he's not cared to play. So last season, he didn't care to play. I know he didn't care to play because when you try and get him out on loan, get him to move, he weren't on it. Uh, this season, he's he's moved again. We're paying his wages. Does he? Has he looked good? Has he performed well? No, because he don't care. I'm just like, this guy's just rubbish. He's, ter- he's a terrible buyer. And I, I, I said it. When we signed him, I said, no, months before we signed him, I, I saw his name was just getting linked. So you know what it irritated? It's like... What is what is this? I was disgusted. So the moment I saw we're linked, I said quite categorically, if Daniel Drinkwater signs for Chelsea Football Club, Conte's got to go. Because you know Conte's taste in players is quite nasty, in it? It leaves a nasty taste in your mouth. So <laughs> after his first season, yeah, I just weren't trusting him. I just, I just, I weren't feeling it at all. Because you know, you win the league title, you're like, okay, he's he's complaining he needs more bodies in it, blah 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 blah. Daniel Drinkwater. Yeah, I said Conte's got to go. That summer, people are like, you're going crazy. He's a decent player. You know, he's won the league with Kante. Good partnership with Kante, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you lot are crazy. Crazy. It was 95% Kante, 5% Drinkwater over the hook hooks to Vardy. Like, ah, worst signing they scored, ever. They scored a significant number of goals like that. Yeah, but, by the way, can, can we confirm that Danny Drinkwater's first name is actually Daniel? I'm not taking a mic. Bro, I don't know if it is, but that's what I'm calling him. I, he's lucky I'm calling him Daniel, bro. I was calling him the individual for a whole season. So, the individual. fuck that guy, bro. Yeah, man. The individual. That was his name for a whole season. But anyway, speaking of um, young players, so Conor Gallagher, he came back from um, his loan at Charlton, which was a very successful loan. Um, and he has now joined Mark Gurhey, um at Swansea. Um what 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 are you guys' thoughts on interrupting a player? Well, I guess a good loan, um, halfway through the loan. I, I I'm not quite sure if I like that, to be honest. Um, I appreciate the fact that Charlton have slid, um, and they've fallen off massively in the last couple of months. But look, you look at the individual as a as a player to to grow and um have these experiences and the experiences of playing under pressure, the pressures of, I guess perhaps. Potential relegation. We saw it with Reese James at Wigan um, last season. Um, it kind of, I guess, it brings a, a whole new dynamic to an appreciation to the game. I, I, I'm not quite sure if I like it. Swansea, yes, yeah, they play better football potentially. Um, but what are you guys' thoughts on this? I, I don't know, Joe. I kind of want to pick your brain about this because um, I know you, you you watch Conor Gallagher a lot, and um, he's a player you really rate. But I just I don't know. What do you think? Do you think this is the best move for him? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a there's a couple of angles to this, which I think maybe make this a little bit different to, to loans we've seen kind of switch in in kind of maybe previous years with with, with other players. Um, 
I think the the situation at Charlton at the moment maybe certainly isn't the best for his his development. And I think as well, if if you look at him as a player, you know that he has he has that kind of that kind of grit and that that ability to battle. And you know that that's been evident in the, in his sort of time as a Chelsea academy player, and certainly evident at Charlton. I'm not sure really what you're what you're learning from from seeing him sort of you know put in a, a, an absolute ridiculous shift for 90 minutes he's you know he is an exceptional athlete capable of playing box to box and, and really putting himself about as well so I think from from that perspective the move to to Swansea obviously working with a, a manager and a, a setup that he's he's familiar with this uh what was it Steve Cooper I can't remember the guy's name Cooper or whatever the the old England um under 17 manager that, that looked after him and others I think that that is a positive move I think also there's, there's some interesting stuff coming Coming out um, recently, that Chelsea are looking to potentially form something of a, a partnership with Swansea in terms of sending players there on loan. So, you know, there must be something in terms of the the structure and, and maybe sort of the direction that Swansea are potentially heading in with with the sort of new coaching um, sort of system and, and and sort of the direction that they're heading in themselves that, that Chelsea have, have found appealing for for Gallagher to go there. And I think from from my perspective, what what I want to see from Connor, maybe what you know he wasn't really having the opportunity at Charlton to show, was in a team that is is most likely going to be expected to dominate the ball and 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 really kind of be on the front foot. You know, can he can he be creative? Can he dictate a game? Can he play on the front foot? Can he be sort of the driving force in a team that is likely going to be challenging for either the the kind of automatic promotion spots or playoff spots? And mm. I think from from Chelsea's perspective, that was probably the, the prime reason was that they wanted to take him out of a side that. You know, that I think everyone knows that he can battle and he can do that side of the game. What they want to see from him now is, is can you be the driving force in a team that is looking to both A, play good football and also you know, are expected to be on the ball, expected to be more creative. So I can see the reasoning here. And I think, again, going to a manager who, who knows his game very well and, and if this this kind of uh, partnership with Swansea is, is something that is, is going to be formalised over the next sort of year or so, then it's a very good test case for a player to who's, who's already shone in the championship to go to a, a bigger and, and better challenge and see if he can help them kick on for, for promotion. I mean, I, I like the move personally. I think he did very well at Charlton, but I don't think second half of the season, particularly given the injuries and he was becoming one of the more senior players in the side in his first year, mm. that I, I would have wanted him maybe to focus more on, on showing what he can do on the ball going forward than defensively, because I think that's side of his game is locked down I think he can do that side of the game in the Premier League no no problems just just by his his athletic ability and his capability to work um, I want to see now him on the front foot in possession on the ball showing what he can do in a, in a team that looks like he wants to play the game in the right way be on the front foot be attacking and, and I want to see him be the driving force there okay. I think um, in, in just in Charlton's defence almost I do feel like I saw quite a, a lot of bits of Conor Gallagher that I, I probably hadn't seen before in the loan, in terms of um, when, I, when I've when i most seen him was in the England side um, with Steve Cooper. And in that, he was kind of used as a terrier, um, sort of like ball-winning midfielder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess there's Makekra next to him. You've got Angel Gomez, Sandro, um, Hudson-Odoi, Foden and whatnot. And he's kind of just expected to, to do the simple thing. Um, so even going into pre-season, I've, I'd always almost held Billy Gilmore in slightly higher esteem because of what I felt like he could do on the ball. Yeah. Um, so going into the season or, or even just like a month or two into the season and seeing highlight videos of him spinning, <laughs> pirouetting, <laughs> hitting balls into the top corner. Um, and I think he got an assist the other day across um, yeah. in, in, a, in their draw. And I just thought to myself that he, he showcased a lot about him that maybe was which might have been evident to other people 
Um, yeah. So it could just be it could have just been me. But in terms of that trans, that part of his game translating, I think he did he did get a lot out of it. Um, what I would say though is going into this this um, back end of the season, back end of the season. Sorry, um, Charlton obviously have slipped, um, and the the kind of the battles I imagine them being in will be similar games to the Middlesbrough run in terms of it being quite a tough and dogged game. Yeah. Um, the the Steve Cooper thing is is massive because yeah. not only obviously is is Greg Gerhi then um, he's also got Ryan Brewster there, and I think is he's their trust in him as a manager will is a massive thing because they won the World Cup together. Yeah. Um, so um, I think, and it also um, I, it kind of took me back to um, Izzy Brown. Yeah. A while ago, because he, he had a loan at Rotherham for the first half of the season, Did and well. he was doing he was doing like a madness. But obviously, he's at Rotherham, <laughs> so it's kind of hard yeah. to do to to showcase the the standard that he wants that you'd want him to. And then he went, I think, joined Huddersfield in January that year. Yeah. Um, and then they got promoted. Um, so I think there's an element of that that they probably would have seen. And finally, I saw an angle from Chelsea youth, and he was just like, to be honest, that move probably doesn't go ahead if he doesn't want it to. Yeah. That's true. Um, so, so I imagine, in similar to Reese James, if if you want to stay, you could probably say, "Guys, I really want to stay." Yeah. Um, so I guess there's there is an upside that probably he's seeing in it, which is probably the most important thing because he would have he's the one kind of going through it and experiencing it. Yeah. But I do think overall, on the balance of things, well, um, it was it was a pretty fantastic six months um, for him. So yeah. Yeah. Also, I do want to kind of mention like, you know, Chelsea. We we have been um, accused um, as a club. A number of times, actually, um, of not doing, I guess, not placing our young players or, I guess, loan army at the right club for them to yeah. thrive. Um, so, yeah, there could be an argument that, you know, Chelsea moving him away from Charlton um, is probably best for him. Um, but, yeah, yeah, you're, you guys are right, for sure. Because when I looked at um, Conor Gallagher before he left, I saw him more of, with like an Ampadu type player. Um, I didn't see him as super expressive. I didn't see he had technical... I didn't think he had high levels of technical ability, but I don't know why I doubted that because, you know, if you come to our academy, you play for our academy, then you should have tech. You know, it's just it's just one of them things. It's, it's something that I should really expect from players that come from our, our academy. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm hoping that the Swansea move works out for him. Um, because again, I do I do trust Cooper. Um, and yeah, like you said, that he's got his boy Rian there. He's got um Mark Gurry there as well. Um, so I, I do hope it, it it's a good stepping stone for him because I, I do believe that next season he'll probably be um with the first team squad, um as, as well as Mark or maybe Mark maybe not. I think Mark might because you know when it's defenders it's quite different. I think he's gonna need a little bit. He might need a little bit more experience. Um. Um, I guess to to get used used to the men's game, um, oh, I, but we'll I see. I think with the with I think with his loan, um, it's going to be an eighteen month. But yeah. They, yeah. They, officially, the EFL can't um, you can't kind of register eighteen month loan. So okay. they're going to do six months, and then at the back end, I mean, at the end of the season, kind of renew it for another year. Yeah. Um, but I've always, I've said um, before, I do think he is probably the most talented defender. Um, we have, um, yeah, for sure. You, you said that. I think you said that a couple of months ago. I remember you were saying that. Look, you think yeah, Tomori I've, I've, is I've, great, but this Mark Gurhi, you're like, oh, he's different level. Yeah, this guy's no, different. Think even 
watching um watching them him and Jonathan Panzer um together was was joyous <laughs> because they've just they complemented each other really well. Um, at times, obviously, Panzer did slints at left back, um, and with England, he I think he played he played the left back um, quite a bit. But Gay's got this like really really immense composure, um, something that I think um, Axel Twanzibi at United has as well. Um, but he just looks so so um, composed, so just doesn't he doesn't look like he wants to get in for a challenge. And I think that's a really, really, really important trait for defenders in terms of not necessarily being overzealous um, in your defending and kind of just a willingness to delay. And he just does everything so, so well um, and makes it look effortless. And he himself looks like a really calm character, again, which is something I think is important. So you're not going to kind of get that, like, that exuberance or the stupidity that you maybe get with, you know, like the old Arsenal defender. Um, I think he's, um, I think he's, I'm hoping anyway. That, um, it, a lot of it translates to senior level, but even in the, um, the Carabao Cup game, he played. He, I think he played pretty well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Mark Gray is definitely one to watch for me. Yeah, I agree. I fully agree. Um, I do think that this loan will, will do him well, to be fair, um, because again, he, when you play under a manager, um, well, I guess you when you play under a setup that you're familiar with, I think it. I think you'll only bring about positives, especially if you're successful with it. Um, and yeah, it's a different level, completely different level. Under-17 World Cup, completely different level to the championship, completely different demands. Um, but again, it could be a growing process for both of them or all of them together. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm happy with his loan for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I can't complain too much. Um, so speaking on ingoings and outgoings, um, we're looking at, Olivia Giroud, he's looking like he's moving on to Inter Milan. It looks like everyone's going to Inter Milan. I've seen Ashley Young just completed a move there. This is what I'm saying about Conte. You see these tastes? Bro, Conte's a weirdo. Look, brother, you lot were like, oh, no, Conte. Oh, we we miss Conte. Look, yeah, (laughs) listen. Conte's a fucking amazing manager, bro. He's an amazing manager. Don't get it twisted. Conte is a fantastic coach, a fantastic manager. And look, his time here was very successful. But... It comes at a cost. If you like having shit ballers in your team, cool. Accept a Conte. Accept it. But he is nasty. His taste in players has got to be the worst in football. It's worse than Jose's. It is definitely worse than Jose's. A million percent. The taste is shocking. Ashley Young. Now he wants, he wants Alonso. He also wants Giroud. He doesn't score goals. It's just cra- it's crazy to me. It's, it's absolutely crazy. But the weirdest and the craziest thing is for him... He makes it work. So Ashley Young will probably go there and tear it up. It's, it's crazy. Absolutely mad. So, yeah. Oh, Olivia I mean, Giroud going out. Like Llorente and Andy Carroll. On, on it. He wanted Llorente uh-huh. and Carroll. Uh-huh. Yeah. Brother. Yeah, was he was looking scary, at Ashley scary, Barnes. Scary January window. L- looking at Ashley Barnes. I, I was thinking, what, on, what the yeah, fuck is going was, on, bro? That was the one, yeah. That, that was the one that gave me the terrors. I was thinking, <laughs> what the fuck is going Like, I could not believe it. Ashley Barnes. Oh, my God. Ah, oh, shocking. Absolutely shocking. So, yeah, with Giroud going that, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, Moussa Dembele coming in. Um, do you feel like we need another body, another striker in? Um, or can we wait until the summer? Because one thing is that I, I'm always apprehensive about is spending, um, spending large amounts of money on um, players that, 
I don't know. I think Moussa Dembele is a good player. Don't get me wrong. I think he, uh, he's a very good player, actually. But, well, not, okay, not very. But I think he's a good player. But would you spend a proportion of your transfer budget on a player that is not necessarily your first pick? I'm not, I'm not quite comfortable in doing that. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to buy a player, you're stuck with a player, and therefore you can't buy somebody else. So I'm looking at, and I'm speaking about a player like Timo Werner because I do think Timo Werner is a better player. I think Timo Timo Werner almost made like a, a little come get me ploy um, plea um, a couple of days ago when speaking about the Premier League and his admiration for the Premier League. I'm just like, look, can we go on for this next four months, um, four or five months, with what we have? Because I mean, Giroud barely played, barely played for us for the last three months. Um, so can we go on without him? Um, and you know, does he need, or does he need to be replaced? I, I'm, I don't know. What do you guys think, Joe? Um, I think when it comes to him and, and probably lumping Pedro in here somewhat as well, I just don't think that they're playing sufficient enough to really warrant keeping around. And it, it comes to the point now where if you can get them off the wage bill for the remainder of the season and just free up some space, could be that there's uh, you know there's some minutes for like an emerging player. Maybe Armando Broja or, or yeah. whatever one of these young players is doing well in the Youth Cup. Maybe he sneaks on the bench towards yeah. the end of the season, and, and maybe that's more of a benefit to the club in the long run. But if if he'd been uh, if if Giroud had been playing, and even if he wasn't scoring, but you know he's shown some like usefulness in big games, or he'd he'd had a few sort of decent performances, and then maybe you're looking at replacing him. But I just don't think he's had anywhere near an, enough of an impact to to consider letting, uh, as you say, someone come in in, in a similar bracket to, to Tammy. You're, you're not going to go out and secure a an absolute top-tier centre-forward or maybe even someone who's got a you know a, a potential ceiling of being a top-tier centre-forward in January. So, for me, I, I'd, let, I'd let Giroud go. Um, you know, I think it's been, he's been a useful servant for the club. He's, he's, he's had his sort of moments here. But, yeah, I, I don't see the need to, to, to go and reinforce in that area. And, and I would probably say the same for Pedro. If Pedro ends up leaving as well, again, I don't think he's had... The, uh, the the sort of impact the season that really warrants going out and spending money on on another player who is just going to be really a, a a contract player for the next three four three four years or whatever. So both of them I think have been been good servants, but realistically going forward they're they're not part of the future and probably not part of this uh, the rest of this season barring a, an absolutely catastrophe in terms of injuries. So mm-hmm. you know t- take 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 the chance if you if you can move them on for for good money you know nine million euros for for some of the age or whatever the fee is seems pretty good business for us. So yeah, I'd, I'd definitely ship them on, and I don't think we need to we need to go into the market and replace them. I uh, fully agree. Fully agree. What do you think, Pels? What do you think? Um, for me, in terms of um, replacing. It's hard because do you do you do you take the not even the risk per se, but do you do you make a decision based on the short term and then have to then kind of be stuck between a rock and a hard place in 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 the summer? Um, I, what I feel in this kind of in this exact moment is that he hasn't played much anyway, and we haven't really need needed a third striker. But I guess that's because we've been fortunate with injuries. Yeah. So if you de- if you then enter a period where I don't know Tammy's shattered, pulls his hammy, God forbid, or something or something like that happens, he just gets like a muscle tweak, um, and then Michi's starting, you then don't have any anyone to fall back on. Um, and I know I guess for for someone like Giroud, that's not the ideal situation, or that's not the only situation in which he wants to to kind of be involved or contribute. But um, yes, I think it's, there's a risk in kind of not signing anyone in that sense. But um, 
on the flip side, it does give, like like Joe says, it, it kind of gives somebody else an opportunity, potentially. The one thing I'm just a little bit conscious of is that the, the, the nines in the academy now, I think Charlie Brown, yeah. still up, he'd probably be someone to maybe come in. Um, but just in terms of like, the Drinkworks Home Bar by Keurig is the perfect gift or addition to a small gathering. The Home Bar makes over 30 drinks from cosmopolitans to old fashions at the push of a button. Just insert the pod, press start, and enjoy. Each Drinkworks pod contains real ingredients and premium spirits. For a limited time, get $50 off the Home Bar with promo code HOLIDAY. Go to drinkworks.com to order now. Drinkworks. Press play. Keurig is a registered trademark of Keurig Green Mountain, Inc. Used under license. Please enjoy responsibly. Chin talent, personally, I would probably say that um, at the moment, I'm not... I'm not so sure how ready like someone like Charlie Brown would be to kind of come in and, and make an impact. That being said, I, it would not shock me if he did. It's just more so in terms of my my personal assessment of what I've seen of him, which isn't uh, which isn't a great deal to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just can he handle that? Um, you know, the need to potentially play in a in a game or come off the bench and make an impact. Um, so yeah, I guess that's kind of where the the, the decision making or the areas to. To, to consider would be basically. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I mean, yeah. Again, you want to? I'll, I'll probably group Pedro into this as well. Um, look, they they barely they barely play. Um, I know there's a desperation for new blood um, from our fans because obviously we had the transfer ban, um, so they want new signings. I think uh, the thing for football fans that they always they're always desperate for new fa- signings or new players or something new and fresh to see. Um, and obviously now the youth players um, are becoming a little bit more established, and I know that's quite prim- it's very premature to say, but they're getting um, established because they're playing significant minutes. Um, so they want to see the new faces. They want to see new faces, and um, I guess it's almost like the leeway. Um, I I want to say some sections of fans. I guess some 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 fans. It's almost like the leeway for Frank. This youth project um, is like going. Um, because they they want the new signing, so you know they they want to be con- contenders again. Whereas from my perspective, you know I've always believed that this season and pro- probably next season, I I really am not, I'm not too concerned or worried about challenging for titles. Obviously, it'd be great to win stuff, but again, my my belief and I've I've said it a couple of times on the pod is that I kind of want the young players to establish themselves so when it gets to the time that they're 22, 23 um, and they're ready and it may not be Frank Lampard to take them onto the new level where they're challenging for titles, challenging for um, for honours but Frank would have done his job in making these players pro um, Premier League footballers, inter, um, international footballers have an experience of the Champions League getting a taste of what it is to compete at that level um, and you know, I, th- I think some people are looking at it quite short-sightedly and not having the bigger project and bigger picture in mind. Um, so I wouldn't bring in somebody. I, I wouldn't bring in other players right now, especially if they're not the main guys you want. If we couldn't get a Jaden Sancho now, then there's no point trying to get in someone that is not of the same level but a similar price. So if you're not spending the $140 million that they want for Sancho, but you spend $90 million on, say, a Zahar, it wouldn't make sense for me, personally speaking. Um... So yeah, that that that's um that's my take on that. But um, speaking about now the game this Saturday, um, it's a five thirty kickoff at Newcastle, and uh, 
You know what? I, you know how I feel about you know these odd kickoffs. Like the five thirty kickoff up north, I don't like it. I don't like it. Bro, bro, I, I, oh man, I don't like it, man. I don't like it, bro. I don't like it. Them evening kickoffs against them, man. Bruv, the anti-social lot. No, I don't like it. I don't like yeah, it at all, bro. It's, a proper, proper it's, it's nasty, bro. So, and you know us. Even when we've been badding up titles, I remember when what 30, or in the fourteen fifteen season where we were doing an absolute madness, and we got to St James's Park in December, we drew the game. I'm thinking what? Because we were whacking up everyone, but. Was that, was that the no matic game? No matic game, yeah. Oh, yeah I respect it, man. You, you got this, man. Yeah, the game we had no matic and we just drew the game. And they always they're always tricky for us. I think Newcastle away is always one of those games that is very difficult for us. But how would you start the game first and foremost? Because you know Newcastle set up with a back five, um, very very um, stubborn. But the last couple of weeks they've looked quite shaky. Um, so. How would you set up? Would you still play? Would you play the same team that you played against Burnley, or would you switch it up? Would you go to a back five? Would you play? Um, you know, does Christensen say keep his place, or how? How do you guys do this? Because um, it is going to be an interesting battle. Oh, Pels! I'll say. I'll, 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 um, yeah, no, I'm always waiting. I'm always waiting for name. No, um, I think I'd go um, with one adjustment, which would probably be. Pull Mount out, keep Barkley in, um, and play um, Kova. Um, and I think, I just think Barkley is the more creative of the two in terms of Mount and and him. Um, it's I'd still say with a back four, so I go four three three, um, and just try to to kind of carve basically try our best to carve openings because I know that they're gonna they're definitely gonna. Um, be standoff us, but at the same time, because they're at home, there's going to be moments where they kind of um, break forward um, and break forward with real like kind of energy. And I think Steve Bruce is doing a, a really good job in terms of bringing the fans back on side. I know people like Alan Sam Maximan, um, Amron. I know they're linked with um, Lookman. Um, they've just got a little bit of a buzz going forward. Yetro Williams, he scored like two bangers against like Liverpool and City. So um they've they've got they've got a bit about them at home especially and when the crowd gets on their side it can be quite difficult for other teams. Um so why why I'd probably go with the four three three is because I feel like that that's where we have the most balance, especially within midfield. Um so in terms of restricting counterattacks. Um and Barkley kind of factors into my decision making in that because I feel mm. like he, he did track back quite well in the game the yeah. other day. Um Reese James obviously starts. Um, Emerson starts for me, which I know probably won't happen. Um, but he'd probably start for me in terms of when you are playing a back five and Williams tucking in, um, you do want a bit of width. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose someone that's kind of cutting back onto their right, slowing things down. It makes the balls that Tammy's anticipating a little bit a little bit easier for him because he's not kind of um, almost judging someone to, to chop in and out or cut back and, mm-hmm. and then whip it. Um, that being said, that was kind of the way the cross came in for for Cal. But you're now going to have kind of a third auxiliary centre back on the on the side to kind of fill that space. Yeah. Um, the the way that they defend um, and the bodies, the number of bodies they're going to have in central areas is going to make our lives really difficult because I feel like we don't commit many bodies forward. Yeah. Um. So, I the, and it's just the thing about the four two three one. 
Um, it's just the way that the pivot players typically played um, does sometimes leave Georgina quite isolated. Yeah. Whereas with the back, with the three, I do think we are slightly more balanced. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd go Kepa, Reese James, um, I keep Christensen in. Um, I'm personally not a massive fan of Rudiger or Zuma. So, oh, but but I know that the, the partnership of Christensen Tomori probably doesn't work because Tomori airily or Christensen airily aren't the greatest. Yeah. Um, so you do need someone a bit more of a brute next to him. Um, so I would so I'd keep Christensen in. Um, but I could I wouldn't be shocked if Tomori did play because of recovery pace. Yeah. Um, Emerson, um, which I don't think is going to happen, um, and then Jorginho, Kovar, Barkley. Um, Cal, Tammy, William. Okay. Fair enough. Joe, how would you play it? Um, would you keep the same formation as Perils or would you switch it to a back three? How, how would you, um, I guess, uh, uh, approach this game if you were Frank Lampard? Yeah, I think, I think I'd probably pick the exact same team. I mean, I, I'm probably saying with Perils. I think Aspilicueta will play, but I would probably play uh, Emerson in this game. The, the only thing that concerns me about, about Newcastle is that they have that kind of mid-table, like powerful midfield that we struggled against a bit. So I think Barkley's inclusion is is actually quite interesting there because I think it's it's Hayden, isn't it, who's been playing in midfield for them quite a bit this season. Yeah. Um, now, he's he's very, very strong in the tackle, physical player. And and, and same with uh, Shelby, I think, if, he, if he's playing as well, is, is another physical player. And I think sometimes when we play these sort of mid-tier sides, we've got some some good bodies in the, in the middle of the park that we struggle a little bit to, to compete with them. So I think Barkley and Kova um, in midfield with, with Jorginho definitely makes sense to me. Um, I think the interesting thing is, is going to be to see how uh, how we try and combat this this system that they're going to play. I mean, it is really is a back five at times for, for Newcastle um, with with a pure bank of four in front of them, and then it's, it, the the forward tends to work pretty hard as well. And I think again, you know, looking to to Burnley, I don't know if if we've got the the script to to really combat this at the moment. It seems to be you know first half an hour is, is shaky unless we we get a little uh, kind of a little bit of magic. There doesn't seem to be a huge amount of, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say that there's not a lot of thought behind what we're doing, but I mean, there doesn't seem to be a massive structure in place that's that's helping us break down some of these sides. So I think it's going to be a pretty tight game. We're not we're not traditionally the best up there from from memory as well. Mm. And I think that they, they have, if they play a 5-4-1 and they sit compact and, and they don't kind of buy into the fact that they're playing at home, um, that if they sit there in a, a compact, I think we might struggle a, li- a little bit unless Barkley plays, uh, plays well. I think he might actually be the the key if he starts because he he has the ability to, to run Hayden and and Shelby the other way and also I just think he's he's got that little bit of dynamism that we maybe lack a little bit at times when when Kante and, and Kova playing the, the two sort of more forward positions in midfield but I, I play the same formation I think Barkley's key and I, I hope uh, again that uh, William and, and uh, particularly uh, Hudson-Odoi both have good games I think if Hudson if Hudson plays well when, and Reese James plays well I think Tammy has, has got the beating of them at the back as well. So it, it's a question for me of, of just trying to, whatever we have to do to get the early goal yeah. and actually coax Newcastle out um, from, from the shape that they're, they've been quite set in. So early goal, I think we'll be fine, but it's a question of how we're going to get that. I'm not, I'm not entirely sold that we've got this fluid way of, of dealing with it at the moment, but you know, it's, it's going to be one of those things that we have to try and figure out the second half of the season. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny, by the way, it's so funny though, that you mentioned Buckley being a key player because the first thing, that um, came to my mind after I stopped speaking was Barkley's goal um, against Newcastle and it, it looks like I had 10 pen after all um, and he's like yeah. run the length of the pitch mm, and yeah. he also um, I think it's Newcastle again that he scored he, he shaved his head <laughs> on the stage <laughs> like, with a free kick against them 
Um, yes, yeah, 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 I think he is him, yeah. Yeah, so um, he, he does like playing against Newcastle. So I'd, I'd hope maybe he gets a run-up if they're listening. No, fair <laughs> enough. No, fair enough. I mean, I'd probably play similar. I was considering three at the back only because I know that I want to get as many people in the box as possible. And I feel like if you're playing with wing-backs... They can almost be like your wingers. And if you've got quality, like we do with Reese James, I want to get him as high up the pitch as possible. Um, so I, I was probably I was contemplating that. But at the same time, that midfield would be an issue. I think you could possibly get overran if you're going to play a Jorginho and um, Kovacic. And I do want Barkley in there, to be fair. Um, I feel like his performance against Burnley kind of warrants him to play. Um I would def. I, I think Mason Mount. I'd I'd, I'd rest him, or I, I wouldn't say rest him. Drop rest, whatever, however you want to call it. Um, I'd definitely um take him out of the team and then um have Barkley in there. So yeah, I, I'd I'd probably go along with you. You lot's formation, you lot's team, and uh one adjustment. Um, Chris Jensen was good, and I don't want to take him out of the team. But because they have a a physical presence up front from set pieces. You could have an argument. You could make an argument for Rudiger Zuma. You could make an argument for it. But I would like to see Tomori and Christensen play together. Just to just... I guess almost like to... to just to try it, try it out. I wanted to see it at, yeah. um, on a higher level. Because I know they've they played in the Carabao. No, no, I'm keeping that experiment for the FA Cup. Time. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. No, I hear, you, I hear. You. Especially we're playing the big boys soon, bro. So yeah, I'm I'm doing up experiments now. It's not probably not the time, but um, yeah, alright, fair enough. Um, predictions for the um for the game, scores, and goal scorers. I'm saying Chelsea just. I think this is the first time I've given us a win on say. this um, on one of these predictions. But like, getting relegated on your predictions, though, pals. We're probably like in the League One by your predictions wow. this season. Look, <laughs> it's just like it's like this is proper coaching scrutiny. But I, <laughs> to be fair, I think um, just even judging off like where I said we'd be um, and where like even though I'm really up and down, like I'm. The, the, the investment this year is like at an all-time high, so I'm super. I don't tweet. I don't no, tweet anymore, because no. if I tweet. I'm going to be a madness. The trigger fingers just hovering. Yeah, so I have to, um, I have to try and be off to it so I can be objective. But I think generally um, we've done pretty well, and I think it's just my own projection of like standards of where I want my team to be or where where you know the top top teams are relatively. Um, it's just like okay, this isn't good enough. This isn't good enough, and I think that's maybe why I come across super critical. But genuinely. Um, I've been pretty happy with, with the season. It's yeah. just it's just hard when you lose to flipping Bournemouth at home. Oh, Dan Gosling, when Dan Gosling's scoring goals against you, just, oh. it's just <laughs> it's making it's, it's sickening you know because you look well, at the game. Some of the games you lost, yeah, you thinking how the fuck we lost against West Ham with Pellegrini that they had they hadn't won about ten games. Lost against Bournemouth, who again shocking. They were on an awful run, and um, Eddie Howe is looking in deep deep. Not as he trouble, but. The Bournemouth, just in general, looking in, in deep trouble. We've just been giving up points for free to bare man at the bridge. It's just, it's nasty. Absolutely nasty. And I'm, I'm praying to God that we get, that we alleviate. That situation is done and dusted now. But um, Newcastle away, I'm kind of thinking, I'm going for a Chelsea 3-1. 
I'm going for a free one. Tammy Abraham, Hudson Odoi goal. Yeah, I'm going for that. That's what I'm going for. Free one. Uh, I think I'm, I'm going to go two 0 I think clean sheet. Clean sheet. Yeah, clean, clean sheet FC. Right. Um, Barkley and Tammy with the goals. Right, Barkley starts. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, thank you guys uh, for joining me on the pod. Um, we'll be back next week um, after the games. Ah. Oh. Hopefully Chelsea can manage to get the win against Newcastle. It's not going to be easy, but I think we just have enough to get the three points. Um, and yeah, I'll catch you lot next week. Thanks for coming on, boys. Love. All right, easy. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Sports Social Podcast Network.